0: A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. And Mr.
1: Gorbachev teared down this.
2: The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies.
1: Welcome back to the Cold War, episode 181. Wow, we're good. Recorded uh, this day, 22nd of January, 2021. It's a brand new day yeah. in America. For so the first time ever, world. America has an right. old white man as president. Shocked. And aren't, right. aren't the children excited? It's uh, yes. it's an amazing new day. Yes in America because America I don't know if you know this Ray yeah. but America replaced right an old white man
2: yeah with an older
1: that half the people Whiter. that half the population hated right <laughs> with an old white man right that half the population hates so it's um, it's very it's a very exciting time for America.
2: Would not it be fair to say that the previous one didn't follow the, um, the idea of D back, whereas the uh, the one that's in the now, <laughs> at least he goes through the motions. I mean, he, he fakes it, and I'd rather have a faker than someone who didn't fake it at all. But that's me.
1: Really? Yeah. You prefer someone that fakes it yeah. to someone that doesn't. But fake I know. It. That You'd rather a woman it. lie there, and go, oh, yeah, right, it's hey, so big. She's lying oh, there. Oh, feels so good.
2: It's, I'm good. You've got to stop right <laughs> there.
1: She's lying there. I'm good. Yeah, Trust rather than yeah. her say, well, listen. Look, look this isn't working <laughs> for me. That half an inch isn't doing yeah. anything for me. So <laughs> let's do it for
2: me! Let's, Sorry. Let's, uh, That's my sex let's, voice. Let's
1: get some toys. Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Let me strap something on here.
1: Not, not that I want to suggest that Trump was telling the truth. No. Ever. Ever. Uh, right. Even when he said he was lying, he was still lying. Yes. It, was, it was just double lies. Anyway, anyway, speaking uh, of congratulations lies. to America. Oh. You, you got through. You got through your inauguration without right. massive amounts of violence. I have been enjoying reading the news though. This morning, right. uh, I wake up. The first thing I do every morning, Ray. Yeah. Uh, See if we're still here. Uh, is, <laughs> I read. I read the Associated Press, right? Because I think that's probably one of the more balanced mm. U.S. news sources. Mm-hmm. Um according to the left-right uh filter that it tends to be more sort of centrist and uh non-hypey. Good. Um and then I immediately go to Fox News and go, yes, all right. Yeah, let's get into you know, it. How's Fox depicting it?
2: I don't need coffee the with great this. Thing, yeah.
1: Great thing this morning is I read the news, it's all about the inauguration and executive orders and blah de blah de blah. Nothing, right. yeah, you know, suicide bombing in Baghdad, but n- nothing, nothing. Uh, Big in America I go to Fox News The headline of Fox News is uh, uh, Left wing insurrection Sure And it's talking about Riots in Portland and Seattle Which it says With no evidence Were (laughs) run by uh, Antifa and BLM protesters Sure And it says at the end of the story, this story was, like, written with the help of the Associated Press. I go back to the Associated Press. Mm -hmm. I go, really? I didn't see that. Still can't see it. Go searching the Associated Press. (gasps) Do find a story on the protests, but they they don't call it the left-wing insurrection and they don't mention Antifa and BLM. Yeah. Yeah. then I go to Breitbart. Breitbart says it's Antifa and BLM protests. They're all... <laughs> I read the comments. I love reading the comments on Fox News and Breitbart. Right. It's fantastic. It just makes my day. Oh. Um, and then and then somebody says, uh, on, on our uh, Bullshit Field of Facebook page where I posted these stories posted me one from The Guardian, which also said it was left-wing protests. Mm. But they didn't provide any evidence Either, right. apart from some, some of the protesters were spray painting an anarchist symbol on the uh, Democratic offices in Oregon or something right. of Oregon in Portland. Um, so really hard to know what's going on. But I just love, I love looking at the diff, like the difference right now. Most of the U.S. media is like it's a brand new day, right. but then you go to Breitbart, Fox, Gab, the right wing sources, it and it they're does. just losing, yeah. losing their fucking minds. Right. It's uh, the you know Khrushchev has taken over America. <laughs> And uh, (laughs) he's going to be banging his shoe on the table any moment now. He and
2: Chavez aren't aren't both dead. Anyway. Anyway.
1: anyway. I don't know why we're talking. This is not the bullshit, Phil. This is the Cold War show. Yeah. On September 1st, 1948, Ray, Frank Wisner. Yeah, a zealot. Took charge of the CIA's covert operations team, known as the OPC, the Office of Policy Coordination. They, they even had a theme song. Thank God. It's, uh, we're, done OPC, me. Me. we're done with OPC, you never heard of me. We're, we're down with OPC, you never heard of me. We're a big We're down with OPC, you never heard of me. We do it secretly. Focus your attention on yeah. the real baddies. <laughs> um, CIA was a publicly known entity yeah. at this stage, yeah. but the OPC was top secret. It was the top secret division within the CIA. (laughs) Right. Now, Frank Wisner wasn't the first guy to be offered the job of running the OPC. Who was the first guy they offered it to?
2: Oh, I I don't know. I I just assumed that uh, Kennan wanted him and Forrestal wanted him and Marshall wanted him so he'd be in there. But who else do they offer it to?
1: Kennan originally offered the job to Alan Dulles. Right. Huh. Who would have been the obvious pick. Even Frank Wisner thought Alan Dulles should be running it so, because, of, because of his uh, previous experience yeah. in Europe during World War II. Yeah. But when Kennan offered him the job, Dulles turned it down. Why do you think he turned it down, Ray?
2: Ooh, ooh. Um... Well, he loves Spycraft. He loves all that shit. He's got a massive ego. Why? I I, I am flummoxed. Uh, And that is a real word. Why in the hell? Because we know that he's going to want it, desperately want it later. Why does he turn it down at this point in time? I honestly don't know.
1: Well... There was an election going on at the time, and like most Americans at the time, he assumed that Harry Truman was going oh, to lose the presidential election. Right, and because he was a Republican, he was sure that the Republicans, Thomas Dewey, was running against Truman. That right. Dewey would make him the director of the CIA. So why, He's like, I'm not just wait. I'm not. Yeah, delayed <laughs> I'm, not taking, I'm not taking Fuck that shit. I'm not taking that job. i are going to run the whole fucking <laughs> thing, motherfuckers. <laughs> the world, mama. Yeah. 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 Um, Mm, Kind of uh, didn't work Why, You know, didn't work (laughs) Truman uh, surprisingly got re-elected And uh, Dulles Ended up having to wait until 1953 When there was a Republican Eisenhower in the White House And then he got the top job So Wisner is now The guy running the OPC The secret, top secret Nobody knows about it Right Covert Division Sounds of good. the CIA.
2: And the best way, I think you'll agree with me, the best way to avoid war is to hire a zealot, put him in charge of a place uh, where no one's going to be telling him what to do, tons of free money, could do whatever the fuck he wants, and his goal is to rid Europe of communism. I mean, this is going to be a cakewalk. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, yes, his mission was to roll back the Soviets yes. from sure. Europe, yeah. containment, yeah. in the words of George Keenan Thompson. <clears throat> and uh, his office was in a crumbling old temporary War Department building in Washington yeah. that was known as the what, Ray? The Rat
2: Palace. But it doesn't matter. Just because it's a a piece of shit building from the war where they threw it up real quick after Pearl Harbor, doesn't matter. He's on a mission from God, even though there's rats running all over the place. His men call it the Rat Palace. He has very few men, and we'll get into that in just a second. But it doesn't matter because he's on a divine mission. He's going to do what the American military could not, like you said, roll back the communists.
1: Yeah. All by himself. Um,
2: Stop making the American people part of your experiment
1: (laughs) He (laughs) Rap Palace, uh, coincidentally Name of a uh, hair metal band I was in in the 80s uh, Not surprised Um, Now, Wisner's OPC division Was soon bigger Than the rest of the CIA Yes Covert Ops had more people More money, more power And a lot of that was put together illegitimately. Right. <laughs> yes. Because it was illegal. Yeah. Uh, as we've we've pointed out before, a, a the bit. whole covert ops thing was illegal. Now, the CIA was supposed to provide, right. as people will recall, the president with information yeah. regarding national security. A, they were supposed to be- A clearinghouse. You know, getting- get Gathered together. Yeah, supposed to be getting information yeah. from everywhere, yeah. sorting through it, yeah. working out the typos- <laughs> And uh, putting it in a nice yeah. Manila folder,
2: Mister Truman. If I could just the have fifteen desk. minutes of your time, this is what's going on. This is not a threat. This is something we should watch. Boom, boom, boom. You have a nice day, sir, mm. and I'll see you tomorrow morning. That's it. That's it.
1: Russians, Russians, bad and kind. <laughs> Uh But right? Frank, right. oh no, Frankie Dubs, I got not interested no. in that. Boring. boring, boring. He said, boring. <laughs> No one wants to do that. That's boring. Best form of defense is offense.
2: That's right, and, an and he block. figured
1: the Run. the fa- the fastest and easiest way right. to do something about communism was to plot coups and bribe politicians. Damn right. Get
2: in their face. You know, you just you, yeah
1: yeah. Whenever it's going to be hard to send spies in to penetrate the Politburo. Yes, let's just create trouble everywhere. Cause trouble. Yes, that's. Uh, We'll get you know, you, look, you may call it terrorism. We call it freedom
2: fighting, freedom
1: and democracy. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, if, if I can, because I think and I don't want to give too much away, but but the CIA is going to have quite a difficult time over the years trying to get hardcore intelligence inside the Iron Curtain. And you're right. Look, that's going to take a long time. It's a deep game. I don't have the patience for that. And this guy truly is a zealot. So let's like you said we'll create our own opportunities and that's a nice way of putting it and that's exactly what he wants to do he actually draws up a 5 year plan he knows exactly how he's going to go about this
1: yeah and part of his plan was to initially was to develop a multinational media conglomerate sure. for spreading anti-communist and pro-american propaganda is there any other kind uh Called it Fox News, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> was way ahead of his time. Right. He uh, he he also wanted to wage economic warfare against the Soviet Union by counterfeiting money, yeah, and manipulating markets, just washing it full of fake money, yes. just fucking shit up. Yeah. Economic warfare, man. Right. He spent millions, as we have mentioned on uh, earlier episodes, right. trying to influence elections. In different countries? Yeah. Bribing politicians, bribing religious leaders, bribing criminals, causing trouble, you know, bribing the media in these countries. Just, yeah.
2: Well, I can bribe a politician, I can bribe a a priest, but if I'm bribing a criminal, they're already a criminal. I'm just kind of working with the criminal. I, I, I think that's how that should be worded.
1: I could be wrong. Well, it's, if you want, if you if you're trying to convince them <laughs> oh, to do right, what you want, right. I think that's technically bribery.
2: Okay, all right. I think I think you, anyway. You stand
1: corrected. the The point point to understand about all of this yeah. is in Frank's mind, right. and in the mind, I think, of many uh, Americans in the CIA, in the Pentagon, and probably in the White House at the time. He's preparing for World War Three. Yes. He, he knows it's coming. Legitimately, like like Christians, legitimately believe that Jesus is going to return <laughs> any, any day any, now. Any <laughs> day. Any day. And
2: I'm surprised he's not here uh, already.
1: Wisner, along with his colleagues, genuinely believed that World War Three was coming. And the best way to prepare, not prevent, no. but prepare for World War Three. Was to, you know, destabilise the Soviet Union in any way, shape or form. You know, I had this realisation this week, Ray. Again, this is more something for the bullshit filter, but I think it fits here. Sure. I I, I came to the conclusion that America is a cult.
2: Mm. That's not bad, actually. Okay. Tell me more. Um,
1: Well, if you think about the definition of a cult, I'm going to look it up. Sure. We'll see how many of these the United States uh, fit. Right. Ticks, yeah. yeah, I've got a few ticks. Don't know about you? Uh, <laughs> well, if I go to Merriam-Webster, it says definition of cult: a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. Now, is is the United States a religion? I think for, I would argue for a lot of Americans, it is a religion. Yes. It's it's a matter of uh, faith. Yes, right, yes. you believe. In America, you believe America is good and right and true and can do no wrong. Yes. Certainly, a guy like David Markham uh, feels that way. Um, I mean, there might, I'm sure there are, are Americans that are woke, but you know, there are. I'd say most Americans tend to believe Take that America reason. is good and right. right. At least the the American. You know that they like the governments that they like are good and true. They think that the other guys are bad and evil and horrible. Oh, yeah. But the ones that they like, oh, they think are the good guys. <laughs> and and America in general and its role in the world. Oh, like uh, I got into an argument with uh, a guy on Facebook this week. Surprisingly, um, who tried to tell me about all the all the good that America's done. Oh, been an overwhelming force for good in the world. i like, really. <laughs> You want, to, you want to give me some evidence of that? Uh, he said, he started to try and debate me, and I said, wait, 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 wait. have you listened to our Cold War series? And he said, no. And I said, well, just go listen to it. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to. Catch up. I'm not going you to. You've done 200 shows. I'm not going to, yeah. like, you know, rehash all of it here. That's why I do the fucking podcasts That's right. That's so point. I don't have to get involved in Facebook debates. Right. And then he DM'd me later and goes, I just signed up and didn't realise it was 200 episodes long. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well. Could, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> he could probably fit his ideas on a napkin.
2: So now you know what you're dealing with.
1: Now you know why I'm not going to, right. uh, you know, regurgitate all of this on Facebook because there's too much to it. Anyway, definition of a cult a great devotion to a person, idea, object, yeah. movement, or work. Check. I would say Americans check that. Right. Um <laughs> Uh, Let's see where I think I mean, usually it's 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 something about uh, definitions of uh, like led by a leader that can do no wrong, Um, something like that. Right. I think, you know, at least half Americans think that their president at, at any time can do no wrong. Yes. Um, you know, they get behind them and just believe in them 110. A charismatic, here we go, psychiatrist Robert J. Lifton, who once taught at Harvard Medical School, wrote a paper titled Cult Formation in the early 1980s. He delineated three primary characteristics, which are most, the most common features shared by destructive cults. One, a charismatic leader who increasingly becomes an object of worship as the general principles that may have originally sustained the group lose power, that is a living leader who has no meaningful accountability and becomes the single most defining element of the group and its source of power and authority.
2: Wow. Right on the nose.
1: Look... yeah, look, uh, you could argue about a meaningful accountability, et cetera, et cetera, but I think the, you, whoever the president is at the time yeah. uh, fits that uh, definition pretty well. Again, half the population would disagree, but the other half totally, is totally on board. Yes. Absolutely. Point two: A process of indoctrination or education is in use that can be seen as coercive persuasion or thought reform, mm-hmm. commonly called brainwashing. The culmination of the, this process can be seen by members of the group often doing things that are not in their own best interest, but consistently in the best interest of the group and its leader. Yeah, uh, blue blue collar workers voting Republican, yeah, uh, or voting Democrat, even though the Democrats are just you know Republican light these days uh, i would and you're like there's so much indoctrination you know the fucking uh, pledge of allegiance every morning school children I remember, Hello? That.
2: I remember that
1: yeah that is by definition indoctrination coercive persuasion if you don't say it you get in trouble uh blah blah, blah. if you don't put your hand on your heart during a parade you get in trouble and i that people would get <laughs> I thought that was a cry. How was it? Sorry. I was it a fucking parade in Cedar City? Right. And uh, everyone was putting their hands on their heart and I didn't. I, and people were nudging me like put your hand on your heart. Yeah, I'm yeah. like fuck yeah. off. I'm not an American. Don't even know why would I?
2: I don't know if I got one. I don't
1: even know what's going yeah. on. Do you know why you put your hand on your heart? Tell me why you put your hand on your heart. Nobody could explain it's, it. Well, you just do. You I'm just like, do. yeah. So okay. Don't think. Just you fucking just do. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Point three, economic, sexual, and other exploitation I mean, of group members by the leader and the ruling coterie. Oh, Pfft. yeah. Check. Yeah, yeah. Big Are check. Americans economically exploited yeah. in general by the have elite? Biden, Hello? Have
2: you seen Biden hug people? That's sexual. Come on. It's, <laughs> yeah.
1: it's right there. Come on. So there you go. That's yeah. my new thing. America is a cult. Um. um yeah. yeah. Beef.
2: Before we return to the show, I have to ask. So, just for a second, let's just let's just back up and zoom out for a second. So, it's late nineteen forties. World War is over with. Whew, thank God that's over with. A sub, a department within the CIA is somehow going to literally remove the Soviets from Eastern Europe and any places that they may threaten in uh, in um, uh, Asia. And But you and I have talked about the the Russians um, basically know that Eastern Europe is the pathway, the doormat, if you will, to invading Russia. It's already happened three times, World War One, World War II, and what happened after World War I with the Americans and the British. I mean, if they don't close that door, you know it's going to happen again. It's just a matter of how and when. It's all the details. So – I, I think we're both I think we're both on agreement that Stalin, even though it was kind of heavy handed he's doing something that's expedient he's doing something to avoid another war because, like you said he's going to need at least twenty billion dollars to try to fix up his country from what the Nazis did, and somehow so the so the Russians have means and they have motivation but somehow the sub department of the CIA, which is brand new, hardly any funds don 't know what they're doing yet, but the, all this is coming. They're somehow going to reverse the tide of history. It would take a zealot like Wisner to think, yes, I can do this. It's just a matter of time. I get the right people. I get some money, and we're off to the races. I mean, isn't it a little bit... I'm not sure what the word I'm looking for, but it is an, uh, unrealistic for them to think that they can honestly do this. Or is it a part of the American arrogance because we helped win the war? I, I don't know what it is, but for Wisner, this is like, yeah, this is doable. I don't get that.
1: Well, look, I think your first mistake right. there, Ray, is you're, you're thinking about it from a Soviet perspective. right. Um, never never pays uh, as an American to think about things from someone else's point of view because as soon as you do that, you get kicked out of the cult. Oh, sorry. So if you want to stay in the cult, right. don't think of things from – that's my job. Right. My job. <laughs>
2: okay. All right. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you're crossing the streams there, Ray. You're crossing the <laughs> Rubicon. Um- <laughs> gotcha. It's very dangerous, my friend. Yes, of course. Uh, and Stalin was trying to create a defensive barrier around his country because he may not have anticipated World War Three, but he did expect the, the British and the Americans to attack Russia, uh, partly because that was uh, communist uh, ideology. Right. They believed that capitalists would try and crush any sort of socialist experiment, and they were right on that. B... Uh, because of experience, as you say, they they've been invaded before by the West twice in his lifetime, Mm -hmm. and also by Japan. Should point out as well, um, back in the late eighteen hundreds. Um, and and uh, you know, he he needed to take steps. Now, you say it was heavy-handed, but was it really? At this point, what had he done? By 1948 that was heavy-handed in this regard.
2: I, I think the way, from what, and I'm not certainly not an expert in this, uh, the way that it happened in Poland with certain people being arrested, certain people being uh, pushed to the front as far as running for office, I think the organization of bringing these people who agreed with Stalin uh, were the ones who ended up getting in, into positions of power, and everyone else through various means, did not. I, I think it certainly was orchestrated. But again, I would do that too to make sure I had the results that I needed. So it certainly wasn't freedom-loving. Uh, Stalin said to the people of Poland, vote any way you want. I don't care. You do you. Um, I think there was a certain amount of control.
1: Right. So he interfered in an election. Mm-hmm. Fucking Russia. Which the Americans also did. <laughs> Um, we wanted to, and the British right,
2: we wanted the British to do were doing in Poland, in, but we couldn't.
1: Anyway, and the British were doing it in Greece in the Middle East. So, yeah. So when you say heavy-handed, I mean he was manipulating elections, Right,
2: relative terms,
1: uh, or, or helping manipulate elections with money and, and maybe some uh, you know I don't know support for violence. Um, you know this this they were all doing it. Is my point? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. It was they all felt this was morally justifiable, I guess, interfering in elections. Mm-hmm. So Wisner created networks of what are called stay behind agents, foreigners who would fight the Soviets right. on the opening days of World War III in their own countries. His goal was to slow the advance of the Red Army in Europe after World War three broke out by having you know a fifth column i guess yeah. basically in all of these countries that could infiltrate and slow them down and he wanted arms ammunition and explosives oh. stockpiled yeah. in secret caches all over europe and <laughs> the middle east which could be used to blow up bridges depots yeah. oil fields etc cetera, etc cetera, like when yeah. The war broke out.
2: You forgot to say that, a war that the Russians started, because we all know, we all know, all of us good Americans know that the Russians are going to be the one that starts the war. I just wanted to say that because I'm a proud American. Go ahead, please continue.
1: Right. Mm. Mm -hmm. General Curtis LeMay, our old friend, now the new chief of the Strategic Air Command, yeah. guy who's in control of America's nuclear weapons, which he built, mm-hmm. oversaw the the building of them, knew that after he sent his bombers in to bomb the fuck out of Moscow <laughs> with nuclear weapons, what's the
2: Russian side of the war? Uh,
1: they would right, yes, yes, <laughs> they would have to refuel on their way back, right. um, or they'd have to bail out yes. somewhere. Yes. Uh, uh, You know, sort of uh, behind the Iron Curtain Yeah So Curtis told Frank, or his right-hand man, Franklin Lindsay mm-hmm. To build a rat line yeah. inside the Soviet Union sure. An evacuation route for his men to escape over land yeah. Now, uh, building rat lines, yeah. outside. of <laughs>
2: behind the Iron Curtain. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Does this sound like, this? this sound like a good plan, Ray, building rat lines inside <sighs> the Soviet Union? Well, uh, does, mm,
2: on paper, I think it's phenomenal. Now, like the Underground Railroad for runaway slaves uh, in America to get to Canada, it was an open society. It was rather easier to to establish that. This is, this is Stalin's Russia. I mean, they've got a lockdown um, on, on this, the NKVD, the, the precursor to the KGB, whatever. I mean, not only do the not only does Frank Wisner not have any agents behind the lines, but he's suddenly gonna find these people, train them, give them arms, then send them. They're supposed to somehow get through uh behind the iron curtain and then set something up. This to me is something that Walt Disney should be thinking about because it's a fucking fantasy. But hey, what a wind-up. This is Frank Wisner's. Um, this is now his his goal, his task given to him by the uh, by the Strategic Command. Set up, set, basically, set up an underground railroad inside Soviet Russia and all its territories to be able to get these pilots out once they have to ditch their planes. We are dealing with fantasy here, in my opinion.
1: So you're saying instead of a rat line, it should be a Mickey Mouse line. <laughs>
2: Yes, because it's just as realistic. Yes. Hey, Curtis. I can do it. Yeah. Hello, boys and girls. Hello, pilots. Oh,
1: that's very good. Thank you. I just so you have to. How hard do you have to squeeze your nuts to be um, able to do that? I, I have an answer wondering. for
2: this. As hard as you squeezed them when we were at a stop sign and you were driving in the van, I was in the passenger seat for no reason whatsoever that I can remember. You reached over and squeezed. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been able to do Mickey Mouse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wasn't squeezing. You misunderstood oh, that. I told you at the time fondle? I was checking oh. to see if you had any.
2: Oh, I bet you were yeah. surprised.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Anyway, <laughs> they, haven't been, I was. they haven't been the same
1: since.
2: <laughs> anyway, so to me, this I is... I thought
1: Heather and chop them off.
2: To me, this is right up there with Wisner somehow defeating Soviet Russia on his own. But anyway.
1: Now, apparently, uh, Curtis's... Air Force colonels yes. were barking commands well, they at the guys in the CIA. Yeah. Well, they And they also figured that they basically owned the CIA. Right. They could get it to do whatever they wanted. My bitch. And they were giving them all sorts of orders like steal us a Soviet fighter bomber, sure. preferably with the pilot sure. stuffed in a gunny sack, Check. infiltrate Agents with radios onto every airfield between Berlin and the Urals. Sabotage every military runway in the Soviet Union at the first sign of a war. Check, check, check. Um, And these weren't requests. These were orders coming in from Air Force corners like, okay, you basically need to uh, infiltrate. Everywhere. All of the exit avenues from the Soviet Union. How the fuck is Wisner going to do that? He's got like at this stage, like five guys (laughs) and a pony. (laughs) So he's gonna need an army of thousands yes. of American covert spies foreigners. and that's what he sets out right. to do. But well he needs the the, the spies to recruit the foreigners. Yeah. Oh good point.
2: Good point. But as you know, getting good people, that's very hard. That's a very hard thing to do. <laughs> tell, me oh, thing to do. tell me about it. That's a very hard thing to do. Oh, fuck
1: it. Tell me about it. Because oh my god,
2: Rachel, my sister-in-law, before she ran the company that she runs, uh, basically it she uh, she worked for a headhunter. Firm. I don't know much about this, but the, but the stories that she told me, the tactics they would use to try to pull good people away. So I guess there's only about seven good people in the world. I have no idea. But but Wisner, like a lot of other executives, is going to be haunted by constantly finding the right people and enough of the right people. This is going to be a headache for him forever.
1: I know how he feels. So yeah, in the in the early stages, he recruited. Anyone with a heartbeat, oh, that's he would me. go from Pentagon. <laughs> yeah, you would have fit right in. That's me. Pentagon, Park Avenue, Yale, Harvard, Princeton. Mm-hmm. Professors and coaches were paid to spot potential CIA talent. Nice. He hired lawyers, bankers, college kids, old school friends, right. veterans who couldn't find a job. Right. In three, in three years. He opened 47 overseas CIA stations. Wow. And I think you said this... Like, that's Operation Warp Speed, he called (laughs) it. (laughs) A bit like Trump's Operation Warp Speed, he... He got a lot of stuff happening really quickly. Didn't really right. know what to do with well, it when he got it up and running. But you know, mm-hmm. he he got it up and running. No, nothing happened. Yeah. There was a lot of, movement. but he got it up and running. Yeah,
2: there was a lot of. Very
1: good at getting things up and running. <laughs> Frank was
2: right. There's a there's a lot of uh, movement going, on. and I very good at starting shit. Oh, I can not very good yeah, at finishing no, it, God. but good at starting right. it. Right, It's kind of like me and sex. Anyway, I think you might have said this at the beginning <laughs> of the episode. I can't remember, but Weisner truly is um, a zealot. He worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. Obviously, didn't have much of a personal life except for alcoholism, and he expected his officers to do the same. So don't get me wrong— This guy has an idea, he's on a mission from God, he is completely behind it, and he he thinks it's completely doable, and he does give it his all. But, But like you were hinting at a second ago, finding the right people, finding enough of the right people fast enough is just something that is going to be, I think, beyond him. Not that he's not going to be able to stir up a lot of dust, but... The world only moves so fast, but there's just nothing that can satisfy this guy. This guy truly is on a quest, um, and he's just trying to grab as many people as he possibly can. Some of them are going to be better than others.
1: Almost every city where he set up a a station, they had two CIA station chiefs. One working on the the official job of the CIA, espionage, intelligence gathering. The Office of Special Operations Oso the other working for OPC baby you know me the the covert division <laughs> yeah. for wisner Balls to the wall. and inevitably they ended up double crossing each other <laughs> stealing each other's agents yes. trying to fight for the upper hand Seven for who controlled dollars. it yeah yeah so uh, you didn't, they didn't need the Soviets to <laughs> disable CIA stations. Apparently, the CIA station chiefs were very capable but, of sabotaging themselves. But
2: Weisner helped in this because you mentioned a couple of minutes ago that eventually there's going to be a lot of money flowing through his department and not the CIA in general. So he's going to take a lot of the money that he gets and he's, going to, he's literally going to steal out the other part of the CIA's staff by offering them a lot more money and a chance to be a hero. So again, his own passion is blinding him. He's, he's literally doing something good with one hand and ruin it with the other. Not unlike masturbating with the cheese grater. I mean, this, this guy is, is too much motion, not enough results. I'd, but this guy's killing. Why, he's why exhausting you,
1: me. Why do you say masturbating with a cheese grater with such confidence? Like you absolutely have tried that I, before.
2: Um, well, you hear about it.
1: Try everything once. And I walk that's in, your policy. To the
2: kitchen naked. One. Anyway, yeah, yeah, just once. Just
1: once. Yeah, he poached hundreds of officers from Oso, Jesus. and he very quickly controlled a huge military stockpile. He had how much Cam? aircraft, arms, Sorry. ammunition, <laughs> parachutes, uniforms. Estimated of a value of around $250 million, 1948 money, which is like a lot of money. (laughs) Um, Within a few years, he had thousands of people under his command, was running around trying to overthrow governments and influence elections around the world, and all of this was a complete secret to the American people, all off the back of... N.S.C. 68 that we mentioned a few episodes ago, which was also top secret. Yes. One of one of Wisner's earliest hires was a guy called James McCarga. He was a State Department employee who had been running clandestine ops in Hungary yeah. during World War II. He was put in charge of seven nations, mm-hmm. Greece, Turkey, Albania, Hungary, Romania, Bulgaria and Yugoslavia. Oh, right, I can do it. In 1963, he published a book under the pseudonym Christopher Felix. It's called A Short Course in the Secret War. Right. I read it. Um, it's exactly what you'd expect for a book written by a CIA agent at the height of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very sort of pro-USA, uh, anti-Russian, you know, uh, Russian, no, no understanding of of Russian perspective, Soviet perspective, what they're trying to accomplish. It's all Soviet evil, America good. right. Like- um, and he wrote this in 1963, as I said, just after most Americans even worked out that the CIA was involved in covert operations after the failure of the Bay of Pigs. Right. Uh, they were like, what? Good. Our government's trying to overthrow another government? When did that's, that happen? That's
2: not cricket. Yeah.
1: But I want to I want to read this story because um, in one chapter called The Art of Cover, right. about halfway through the book, he tells this great story. During the Second World War, an Englishman, whom we shall call Geoffrey, was living in Tangier. As a mildly eccentric bachelor whose small private income enabled him to indulge his liking for the climate, the good life, and a certain sense of the exotic... Jeffrey had already spent some years there. In peacetime, he was no different from the majority of other members of the Tangier British community. In other words, his cover for his work as a British intelligence agent, which he was, made sense precisely because he didn't stand out. The outbreak of war changed that. In fact, the problem became exactly the reverse. For Geoffrey to continue and to cultivate those Axis contacts which were desired, he now had to have a cover which would isolate him from his fellow Britishers. It had to be one which would explain his continued presence in Tangier and would make him acceptable to his German, Italian and Spanish sources. It would certainly not be sufficient for him merely to pose as a pro-Axis Englishman. Mm It is the fate of turncoats, usually unforeseen by them, to be regarded with double suspicion by their newfound friends. Right. There is always a counter-espionage official somewhere who continues to suspect that even the most sincere defector is a double agent. Something was needed which would lend authenticity to Jeffrey's banal, in the eyes of covert operations professionals, protestations of pro-axis sentiments. Right. Like most Englishmen of his class, Geoffrey had had various scrapes in his past and was given to occasional hell-raising of sorts. It was decided to play up this aspect of Geoffrey. In fact, to put on the act of the Englishman going native, running to seed in his exile, a sort of Somerset Maugham China Seas character in a North African setting. I was thinking more of uh, uh, Colonel... Uh what's his fucking name? Marlon Brando and Apocalypse Now. Oh. Shit. Kling Klinger? Colonel No, that's Mash. Colonel
2: Higgins <laughs> Heroes. Um,
1: Kurtz. Kurtz. Thank yeah. you. Colonel Kurtz. Yeah. Gone native. Right. You know? That's what I'm thinking. Um but it had to be authentic. Jeffrey had to live his cover, as the professional saying has it. Right. Had to be a method actor. Speaking of Brando, right. he did so. He went from women to men, oh, from alcohol to drugs, and from bad to worse. Right. See, it's not gay, Ray. <laughs> if if MI Five tells you to fuck other men, if you do it for King as and, part of your cover. country,
2: or King and country. That's true. The yeah. Yeah. I need you to fuck. That's this Chrissy guy. always says,
1: right. Chrissy always says, "Is that gay guy? <laughs> is that guy gay or just British?" Very yeah. hard to tell. Possibly both. Jeffrey perfectly. Jeffrey George Michael.
2: Yeah.
1: Fucking Freddy Krueger. No, Freddie Mercury. To, yeah. Freddy
2: you never know about Freddy Krueger. I mean, because we never got past the. Uh, flaws, so oh, yeah.
1: well, a little known fact that Freddy Krueger was really Freddie Mercury. He'd kill
2: you or rape you, and he gave you a choice. That's why there's a lot of dead people
1: when he died. Right. When he died, he came back as Freddy Krueger. Uh, I think he died a few years after that film, but uh, don't fucking timeline me. It's uh, timey-wimey. You know that? Timey-wimey shit. Jeffrey, Jeffrey perfectly fitted the Nazi preconceptions of the errant degenerate Englishman. He was not simply isolated from his compatriots. He lived in a sea of their opprobrium. That's how I feel most of the time on Facebook. I live in a sea of people's opprobrium. And loving it. In London, his superiors had an easy check on his progress simply by reference to the number and the violence of denunciations of Geoffrey by Britishers. Wow. Some themselves agents, but unwitting. But Geoffrey successfully accomplished his mission. He never once gave away his cover. Even after it was all over, he didn't give it away. No. And it killed him. It wasn't just the drugs and alcohol. The hatred and contempt of people one likes can easily be physically unbearable. That's where I'm different because I don't like anyone. So you're good. So I don't care. You're the perfect spot. I don't care what people... You don't
2: like me? Fuck you too. Whatever. Okay. I'm bent over. Shut up.
1: I don't care what you think (laughs) of me. I don't care.
2: I couldn't care less I really, if I tried. I really could I not a care less. I yeah. and read it. And, and yeah, I could
1: not care less. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I did a course. <laughs> I, I have a I have a fucking double PhD in not giving a shit <laughs> what people think middle middle about finger.
2: me. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Okay. So McCarter. Yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's that line from The Wire. <laughs> you remember that? No, Is that what you're referencing? No, I
2: don't know. I don't remember.
1: Uh, no. Oh, hold on. i got to find that. <laughs> Uh, this For people who haven't seen The Wire This is uh, police captain Rawls talking to one of his uh, Officers uh, McNulty Who unwittingly uh, Said something to a judge That he's friendly with That made the police department look dumb And out of touch This is His, off- his chief, his, his captain calls him in Late at night to his office And this is what he says to him He's holding up two middle fingers
0: Sit the fuck down detective Something wrong? Put your ass in the chair. You see these, McNulty? You see them? These are for you. These are for you for as long as it takes me to get even. Major, Look, No, no, don't major me, you backstabbing ass Piece of shit. What the fuck are you doing over at the courthouse anyway? Why the fuck are you talking to some shitbag judge? He's a for you, McNulty. This one over here is going up your narrow fucking Irish ass. And this bad boy over here is in your fucking eye. I'm upstairs answering questions about some project nigger I never even heard of who's supposed to have beat my unit out of ten murders. Three. They only be three in court. I got the deputy asking about 10. Well, no, they did 10. We only charged them with three. <laughs> You're full of shit. Well, sir, so you can <laughs> check the files. Maurice Scroggins, Toreen Boyd, Roland Leggett, what's the name, the girl they found in the stairwell in Saratoga, Colette something or other. I mean, Major, these guys are real. They beat me up on the Gerard Bogue case, just like they did Barlow.
1: Scroggins? Anyway, yeah. that's it. It's
2: yeah. Doesn't care. Up here. No, you got a Narrow
1: Irish ass. Yeah.
2: One for your eye and one for
1: your ass. Uh, all right. Another early hire uh, of Frank Wisner's was a guy called Al Ulmer. Mm-hmm. He was sent to Athens, yeah. where he was also set out to cover 10 nations. Shout out to our friend Mickey. In Athens, Mickey. we've been chatting with Mickey this week. Mickey's doing great. He's in uh, Athens, doing great. Life's good, he says, eating his wife's pussy every night, he says, uh, because you know we, we put him onto that. Right. And he, he always tells us his wife thanks yes. us for uh, you know telling him to eat a pussy every night. Um, also, shout out to Scotty Burbick, who uh, yeah. loves nothing more than texting me and going, hey, you eating your wife's pussy right now? And I say, well, not right now, but give me an hour or so and we'll get there. Oh, uh, man, wow, we've gone
2: so far beyond podcasting. Anyway, yeah.
1: <laughs> he was sent to Athens where he was supposed to cover 10 nations as well, across the Mediterranean, the Adriatic and the Black Sea. Yeah. And I like this bit. He bought a mansion sure. on a hilltop well, yeah. overlooking the city, right? a walled compound with a 60-foot-long dining room and top draw diplomats for neighbours. Oh, well, all hush-hush. A 60-foot-long dining room right. he bought. Yeah. In a mansion on a hill, like not uh, at all trying to uh, stay, you know, anonymous, undercover, keep it, keep it on the DL. (laughs) He's like fuck no. Is there any palaces going here? Loud Where's, and proud. What about the Parthenon? Yeah, can I have that? Can I can I move into the Parthenon? Yeah, yeah let's just give, move into the Parthenon. Give me a we'll do it up. We'll spend a lot of give money. Me a number. Yeah, we're yeah, we got unlimited <laughs> money. We'll just buy the Parthenon. <laughs> fuck it, we don't even buy it. You just give it to okay, us okay. and we're just going to move yeah. in and uh it'll be great. I'd have parties there, It'd be fantastic. I
2: don't think Al Got the gist of CIA work, but hey, what do I know? He's the one who's in a mansion on a hilltop overlooking Athens, and I'm not. So maybe he's got it figured out. But the point is, I I think all the screams, don't look at me, there's nothing to see here.
1: I asked Mickey to – I tried to figure out what this mansion was. I tried to find a photo of it, some information on it, how old it was, who owned it before him, who owns it now. Couldn't find anything on that, but um – I said to Mickey, that's your job. Yeah. Run around Athens, knock on, knock on every mansion on every hilltop and say, did the CIA used to yeah. own this? Alma uh, said many years later, we were in charge. We ran things. We were seen as kings. We went all over the world and we did what we wanted.
2: Again, it's the CIA. It's supposed to be a hush-hush. Maybe I don't know covert actions like I think I do. It could be me. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the definition of covert was a bit loosey-goosey, I think, then. But I I, I like this because, yeah. look, and this is, you know, I, I when I posted something about this on Facebook the other day, this guy, Daniel, that got stuck into me, and I told, go listen to the Cold War show, he was he was like, well, you don't think every other country uh, runs secret covert operations? And yes, yeah. no, they do, yeah, right now. Daniel. I fully, I understand that. Yeah. My point in talking about how America does it, is just to point out that America doesn't, ah, because I don't think no. most people, and certainly most Americans, right. are even remotely aware yeah. at to the extent of which America has done these things. If they did, Tim Weiner wouldn't have had to put out his book right. "Legacy of Ashes" yeah. on the CIA, whatever that was, twenty years ago. It's beneath us because it would be a, it would be a non-story. Everyone would know. Yeah, we know that. No, no, you don't. You don't have a fucking clue. Exactly. Most Americans don't have a clue. Yeah. Because it was kept secret, Uh, it was a policy decision to keep secret, and I'll get into that in a second. Mm -hmm. But but what's interesting about this is that's this is how the CIA saw themselves, according to guys like Ulmer at the time, and he was one of the senior ranking guys. They they were seen as kings. They projected themselves as kings. We were in charge. We ran things all over the world. We did what we wanted. Yes, and he was. I mean, this was the American mindset. At the time, the CIA, we're the kings, we run the world, we rule the world, we do what we want, get out of the way, we have unlimited money, unlimited resources, shut up, fuck off, sit down, We're, we're here now in Europe.
2: Well, I mean, you're semi- can't blame him because we were the lone superpower after after that. You know, Europe had been destroyed. Uh, the S- Soviet Union was was in tatters as well. And, so, and we've got all our, our money and Britain's money. So there was a certain amount of arrogance there that is justified. But again, it's your job is to do covert things. You know, it's supposed to be sleight of hand. You get results and no one knows how it ended up being that way. But no, I guess when you literally think you're the greatest country in the world and everybody else is beneath you or weakened or whatever, you can do whatever you want. And I think they all just got caught up in that. And I think it would also go back to Al's personality as well. They should have brought someone else in who wouldn't have hired, uh, rented a mansion, but that's what happened. And obviously he never got in trouble for
1: it. Now, the CIA uh, in Greece started to channel secret funds. Yes, to Greece's most ambitious and corrupt military and intelligence officers, right. promising them that if they did what the CIA told them to do, they would one day end up running the country. Oh. Now we know that England has already, Britain's already been in Greece, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fucking up the uh, communists that fought the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Britain decided. Well, thanks very much for beating the Nazis, but we're going to fuck you over now, kick you out, and uh, (laughs) reinstall your king. Yeah, Uh, you know when we said Atlantic Charter, self determination of all peoples. We didn't. We didn't specify Greeks. So you know nothing personal. Sorry. Yeah, all peoples. Hashtag. uh, (laughs) Well, no.
2: Not used. No Greeks. Right.
1: (laughs) Right. So the point
2: is, one day there might be a a military officer or an intelligence officer who's in his mid to late 20s. They get him on the payroll now. 20 years from now or whatever, he's in charge of the country or he's got a a position of premier or foreign minister. He is now owned by the CIA. So, again, there was some long-term planning here, which is always a good thing to do. But at the same time, you're right. I mean, they're certainly bashing people over the head with just bags full of money.
1: Which... And this is the genius of it. Right. This has been the, the American style of hegemony since the end of World War II, and it's brilliant. Oh, yeah. And I think this is one reason, again, why a lot of people don't understand the nature of America's empire. We've even had scholars on the show argue with me whether that America is an empire. Right. Because they don't see it in in the sense of a, like an 18th, 19th century right. Empire, yeah. right? It, it's not. Doesn't matter. You know, America's not. America's not running around the world, you know, uh, putting boots on the ground in eight hundred countries and putting flags everywhere and saying you're now part of our country Gun, and uh, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's done by money. Benjamin. It's it's yeah. It's done by buying your way uh, into positions of influence and power. You know, they were running around Europe at the time, you know, uh, talking to politicians, generals, spy chiefs, newspaper publishers, union bosses, cultural organizations, religious organizations, yeah. anyone who needed cash. And of course, everyone needed cash because Europe was fucked, right. broke, flattened, right. destroyed, crushed. Literally. Everyone needed cash. And so the CIA is running around Europe. Yeah with briefcases full of cash saying, listen, anyone who's willing to say no to communism and yes to America gets a briefcase of cash. It was Oprah. They sent Oprah out there. She's going, you get a briefcase (laughs) of cash and you get a briefcase of cash and you get a briefcase of cash. And this is still how America does it today. This is what they do with Guaido in Venezuela. This is what they did after they toppled Saddam in Iraq. Obviously, the famous story where they flew an entire plane load full of cash, I think it was $2 billion, yes. I'm trying to remember the number, and it flew it into Baghdad and then it just disappeared hey, and Pentagon can't account that, for 90% of that it. That
2: happens. So,
1: and yeah. and w- when they did an audit and they said to whatever the fucking name of the general was who was running Iraq mm-hmm. for America at the time, what, what did you do with the cash? He goes, well, we gave it to people. Who would you give it to? Well, I don't know. We didn't Get ask for receipt. receipts. We are in a hurry. We just gave it away.
2: Spreading the love, baby. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. This is how, uh, you know, yeah. is, uh fucking what's-his-face uh, said, Robbie Downey Jr. Uh, have I got that quote? I've got this quote. Everybody knows you never go full retire. <laughs> that wasn't the quote I was looking for, though. <laughs> but the one, the one from Iron Man where he says, you know, that's how my father did it. That's how <laughs> I did it. And it's worked out. Oh, here it is. That's how dad did
2: it. That's how America does it. And it's worked out pretty well so far. <laughs> for America. Yes. See? For America. Not so much well, yes. other people.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It works out. It, it, it worked out pretty well. So they just keep doing it, you know. And, and it's not because you don't see this happen. Yeah. You're not aware of it. It doesn't get covered much in the media. Yeah. It's just going around and buying influence uh, from corrupt people. Yeah.
2: What most now? Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I was just
2: going to say real quick. What most people didn't know is that Wisner had a t-shirt on under a suit that said "Not bullets, but Benjamins," because that's the new weapon. Now you're probably asking yourself, where in the hell are they getting all this cash from? Over to you. <laughs>
1: Well, yes, but before yes. we get into that, Sorry. I want to talk about, again, a little bit more. We're going to finish up the episode maybe with okay. this about why Americans are clueless about it, most Americans. A lot of Americans. Well, yes, partly. Uh, it helps with the cult. Right. In the, in, the, in the cult, conditioning, you're not allowed to talk about this um, or or acknowledge it or admit to it right. because then you're betraying your um, holy leader. But it's also because of NSC 10.2, 10 slash 2. Tell me about it. Well, we discussed this a few episodes ago, Ray, um, three or four episodes ago. This was part of the creation of the CIA, uh, signed June 18, 1948, National Security Council Directive on Office of Special Projects, which is what the OPC was known as uh, originally. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it is specifies... This idea of plausible deniability. And it's actually the first time the term plausible deniability entered into the lexicon of US foreign relations. Here's the, I've got the uh, NS, uh, what is NSC uh, document here Mm -hmm. in front of me, 10 slash 2. Let me read this section. It's clause five, as used in this directive. Now, this was a secret thing signed, right? right? Nobody knew about this. As used in this directive, covert operations are understood to be all activities which are conducted or sponsored by this government against hostile foreign states or groups or in support of friendly foreign states or groups, but which are so planned and executed that any U.S. government responsibility for them is not evident to unauthorized persons and that if uncovered the U.S. government can plausibly disclaim any responsibility for them. Specifically, such operations shall include any covert activities related to propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, Preventive direct action. I don't know why I put another two in there, uh, including sabotage, anti sabotage, demolition and evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states, including assistance to underground resistance movements, guerrillas and refugee liberation groups, and support of indigenous anti communist elements in the threatened countries of the free world. Yes. Such operations shall not include armed conflict by recognized military forces espionage, counter-espionage, and cover and deception for military operations. So let's go over those slowly. Propaganda. We're going to lie. So basically, plausible deniability means that if these get uncovered, the US government Mm -hmm. will lie about it to the American people and the rest of the world. That's That's what they're saying here. We will lie about the shit that we're doing if we ever get found out. But...
2: It's not a lie for most mm -hmm. of the government because they could put their hand on a Bible and go, I have no idea what you're talking about because the vast majority of the government is going to be unauthorized persons. They're not going to have a clue of what's going on, so they don't even have to lie. That is brilliant.
1: Yes. But for the people who do know, they will lie about it to the American people. So this is the government saying, listen, we're going to lie to the American people about our involvement Mm -hmm. in these things. And again, for the people sitting out there going, well, doesn't everyone do this? Yes, they yeah. do. I'm just pointing out that America does it too. America's not special. America's not better. Hey. America's just like every other country. They do bad shit and they lie about just it. get more cash. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, they did it on a far greater <laughs> scale than anyone's done it in human history and continue to do so. Right. Now, let's go through these uh, covert activities as listed in this government document. Okay. Sabotage, demolition. Uh, these are this is terrorism. We're going to blow shit up. Right. Right. Yeah. We're going to blow shit up. Subversion against hostile states. We're going to overthrow elections. We're going to you know get involved in overthrowing elections. Um, assistance to guerrilla groups.
2: Right. So they we're gonna
1: support right. terrorist groups yes
2: in their country they're a terrorist and we're going to give them aid yes
1: yeah. basically they're saying we're gonna we're gonna uh, indulge directly and indirectly support terrorist activities right. in countries and we're gonna do so and design them in a way that if we ever get found out we will be able to pretend that we weren't involved and we'll have a cover story right. they said well no no it wasn't us that was Antifa did that. It was BLM. It was...
2: <laughs> the enemy of my enemy It was is my friend.
1: It was communists. Yes. So I was, no, it was the communists who did yes. that, which is exactly what they did when they overthrew Mossadegh in Iran in 1956, which we'll get into, and um, that whole deal. Right. But here's my point, yeah. is that they deliberately set out to lie to Americans about this stuff, and they continue to lie to America. This is still policy to lie to Americans about the shit that they're doing around the world. Right. And this is why, and Americans believe it because it's a cult. Americans believe the lies told to them by their government, and it's also why fifty percent of the population in America today believes that QAnon mm-hmm. <laughs> is believes because of QAnon. <laughs> I read this on uh, I don't know it was Fox or Gab or somewhere the other day, right? But uh, a good a good percentage of the qanon supporters believe that biden becoming president is actually part of trump's secret long-term plan Damn, he's good. to bring down the uh child rapist pizza reading satan blood sucking <laughs> worshippers in the democrats right yeah right so my 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 point is that the reason such a big percentage of the population don't believe anything or do believe crazy conspiracy theories is because the government has been lying to the American right. people forever and so of course yeah yeah so if you've been lying to people and then you know getting caught and still lying about it for these people's lives and the generations before them, obviously people are going to be Skeptical and they you know they can easily be turned from a, a a a healthy level of skepticism like the level of skepticism that I promote, which is yes be skeptical about everything but before you believe an alternative story, make sure it's supported by a sufficient amount of evidence right. Oh, business partner of mine, fucking surprising to me, um, Mark, he, he lives Sunshine Coast, about an hour north of here. We, my marketing agency, we we started it together. We, well, we actually started our own marketing businesses, then we merged them for a while, mm-hmm. and then we split because he got a job offer where he was you going to be paid a ton of money, and he went and took it. Right. Um, but we've been good friends. We worked at Microsoft, and we worked at another place before that. We've known each other for 30 years. Great guy, smart guy. Um, But he's been pushing these like COVID conspiracy theories on Facebook recently. And I keep engaging with him and challenging his thing. And, you know, he he posted this thing the other day about COVID deaths have been massively uh, overstated and the mortality rates nowhere near as high as they said it was going to be and all this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, what evidence have you got? And he sent me two links. Right. And I read through the two links, and neither of them even came close to supporting uh, his narrative. Yeah. And I was like, dude, did you even read these? Yeah. Like, there's nothing in here that backs up anything that you've been saying. So, and I think this is the problem with, you know, this certain brand of, of, of cons- extreme conspiracy theorists is they, they, be- they believe a narrative right. for whatever reason. But they can't back it up. They've got no evidence they to back it up. And it. as I say, it's fine to be – skepticism is healthy and it's necessary yeah. because we do get lied to constantly. But before you throw your support behind an alternative theory, make sure you can back it the fuck up. It's just embarrassing right. when you send me your evidence and there's nothing in there. It's like a blank sheet of paper. And I'm like, dude, well, there's, yeah. there's nothing in here. Did you – I'm embarrassed like, what the for fuck? you. Like, seriously. Yeah. I'm happy to, you know, to read through your evidence, but send me something that that, <laughs> that actually has something it in it. Yeah. Um, it was like when we did the anti-vax episodes on the bullshit filter, right. right? As soon as I started digging, I said to all the anti-vaxxers, send me everything you've got. Yes. And as soon as I started digging into it, it was as flaky it's as fuck. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. flaky as fuck. Yes. It's, it's, it's as bad as the people who put their hand on the heart and say Jesus is a real historical figure. I go, well, what evidence have you got? There's nothing. <laughs> there is nothing. Next to nothing. Right. You know, it's, it's yeah. well, yeah, it's, these are all, that's right. And these are all statements of faith, it's it's a religious kind of thing. The people who believe in extreme conspiracy theorists, the people who believe in America as being good and great, um, you know, these are all religious uh, positions that people take on these things. Yeah. Instead of this is what I try my best to do. I probably fail a lot. But my position when we're doing these shows is the uh, same as the history shows, right? If we're doing Nero or we're doing the Cold War or I'm doing my documentary, it's the same thing. It's look at all the evidence I can, right. understand it to the best of my ability with my limited intelligence and my limited education, and try and figure out which theory the evidence seems to support. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a scientific mindset. A journey. Towards- history and, and politics yeah. and I'm happy to be proven wrong. But as I always say, if you're gonna if you're gonna try and tell me I'm wrong, come loaded for bear. Right. I mean you, you need to bring some facts. And if your facts are better than my facts or your interpretation of the facts is better than my facts, I'll concede. I'm happy to concede because I don't care you want the truth. what the truth is. Right. I just want the truth. Yeah. I'm not interested in a narrative. Yeah. I just wanna know the truth. And because I'm a nerd.
2: And go, going back to the occult uh, theme for a second, as an American, if I don't believe the lies the government's putting out, doesn't that make me unpatriotic?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, if you go out there and you know, try this at home, uh, start posting things on Facebook right. about uh, America's role in the world, Right, well, and see what happens as an American. Yeah, see, see, You'll get some responses. See how you get. Yeah, yeah. See how you get beaten down by uh, right. the other cult members. Yeah, wow. Um, and nothing's changed. In a healthy, a healthy society, we go. Uh, oh, really? That's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, you know, can you prove? Show me the evidence. Yeah. I'm fascinated. You know, if we're doing bad shit, I want to know about it. Right. But no, that's not the response. The response, I get this from Markham all the time, the response is, what a load of bullshit. You don't understand anything. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, well, you know, show me where it's wrong. I don't have time to show you where you're wrong. <laughs> of course you don't. I mean, that's what I said to the guy who wanted to baby, but I said, go listen to the podcast because right. I, I do it all here. You know. Anyway, yeah. that's it. That's the episode. We'll be back uh, next time.